Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So first of all, many apologies for the fact uh, there wasn't a show last week. I was sidelined due to a bereavement, which happily I've now run off. Uh, we're a week on now and I'm from Stoke and not an East End gangster. So I'm ready to go again. All fine. You know, there'll be an- another mother along in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> just to say this is how pathetic I am, Chris, that I'm six years of age, really. I Clearly, I love my mother, and she was a Stoke fan as yes, well. Yes, yes. But, but when it said cause of death, stroke on the thing, I just couldn't help thinking. On mine, I'm hoping it's going to say cause of death, Stoke. Uh, because <laughs> the, that's, that's, there's a good chance of that actually happening. Yeah, and there's a good chance of Stoke being in all the boxes. Place uh, of uh, death. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, there actually is. Yeah, yeah. And the other good thing is it means that, that even though we've only been going for like about 20 weeks or something, we've already got a lost, a lost episode. Yeah, like lost. Steptone's. <laughs> Son or, or, or Dad's army. Well, I, anyway. I feel sure we should be recycling quite a lot of it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so don't go searching in in uh, Ian Lavender's attic for the script of last week. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so on with the comedy. <laughs> um, so despite his misunderstanding of the phrase party politics, Boris Johnson is desperate to hang on in office until April when all COVID restrictions will expire because he's got this bitching leaving do planned. <laughs> Apparently Cameron's <laughs> coming and he's going to do the pig's head thing. <laughs> well, other questions were raised over Boris Johnson's Downing Street party. Questions about uh, security, propriety and honesty. But the biggest question seems to have been ignored. What the fuck is a man of 56 doing having a birthday party at all with a cake and singing, for the love of God? And a, I mean, and a suitcase of wine. <laughs> is it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, if you, you should be a grown-up like um, Prince Andrew who, who can have a birthday party with all of his teddies and that way doesn't cause any problems whatsoever. Exactly, and and with with some of his girlfriends who still who still have enough candles that you could fit them on a cake. <laughs> but anyway, it was a week also in which news emerged that Elon Musk's old Falcon Nine rocket is on course to crash into the moon and explode, and Earth leaders are bracing for a declaration of war from the Clangers. They're coming <laughs> for our soup. 
<laughs> they look tiny on the telly, don't they? But look at them in comparison to the size of the craters. They're fucking enormous. They are big. And they have armoured waistcoats. The only way to take them down is to snag them on something and hope they unravel. Yeah. That's my plan. That's my plot, anyway, for Independence Day 3. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge of the Clings. Revenge of the <laughs> That's a fantastic... I would go and watch that, definitely. I would pay good money, especially if I yeah. wrote it. Anyway, <laughs> before we move on to the sunlit uplands of the Premier League, where birds sing and goat herds yodel merrily, filled with the sheer joy of life, let us first pay a reluctant visit to that cold, dark, dank and dripping cave. You know, the one where Gollum lives that is the very bottom of the EFL, which is where Oldham still find themselves now, seven points adrift of Colchester with no games in hand. Colchester mutually sacked Hayden Mullins by... Uh, Mullins, that's his name, isn't it? <laughs> by oh, I like Mullins. Mullins. <laughs> Moulin Rouge, by mutual consent last week, and duly got their no-manager bounce, winning 3-0 away at Salford. We, on the other hand, were shipping three goals away at Harrogate Town. My friend Steve said it looked on the television like our defenders were wearing clown shoes, which is, I guess, one of the bonuses of having clowns in charge of your club, access yeah. to outsized footwear, and being able to take the whole squad to away games in a single small car with an endearing and comical horn. <laughs> I went to the game with our friend Howard and my son John, who is also, of course, our friend, which means I have now visited all 92 of the current league clubs. There are still eight grounds to go, but they're all now new grounds where I've done the old one. That's Spurs, Brighton, Wimbledon, Middlesbrough, Man City, Morecambe, West Ham and Cardiff. It was a good trip, apart from the 3-0 thing, and the bloke who stood very close behind me murmuring, Oh, good ball, and go on now, run with it, in my ear, like we knew each other really well. Like yeah, an inexplicable lack of respect for personal space. He kept clapping right in my ear as well. And he stood so close to me that to get his hands up to clap by my ear, he kept whacking me on the back of the head. And I moved at half-time, of course. I think he, he was coming on to you, Chris. <laughs> no think? doubt about it. Yeah. sexy, sexy Fenella Fielding voice yeah, in your well, ear. Yeah, he went <laughs> off the idea in the second half because in the, at half-time, he, he went to the toilet and left a little satchel behind and I had a dump in it. Anyway... <laughs> Actually, oh. that, that, that could well have been what he was after all along. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Oldham bossed the game, believe it or not, possession-wise, for what that's worth. But a lot of that possession was spent just trying to get the ball past the halfway line after the idiotic goal kick routine that we do, that I've mentioned before, knocking yeah. it six feet across the mouth of our own goal. I mean, fair enough, if the keeper does knock it long, there's nobody to win it because we have no strikers, only incompletely converted midfielders playing out of position. But it felt like a tipping point, actually. Like, we couldn't possibly go on like this any longer and sure enough while we were sitting in a pub at Sheffield station waiting to put Howard on the train back to London Oldham's owner said thanks very much to our interim Tunisian with his zero percent win ratio and his red sea haircut and announced that he was accepting the eye-wateringly generous offer from John Sheridan our four-time previous boss to take over for nothing for no money because he loves the club and it's breaking his heart to see how far we've fallen. So bless him. Shez, as he calls himself, he actually released a message to the fans this week on his arrival, which began, hello, it's John Shez here. <laughs> he calls himself <laughs> no. John Shez. Excellent. And he has previous. I mean, twice before, he's come in in January with relegation from League One at the time, staring Oldham in the face, and pulled us out of trouble. Events that have become known as the Shez Erections because of the <laughs> revival in form, not because we're pleased to see him, although, of course, we are. Um, 
I fear, of course, that on the third resurrection, they will uh, roll away the stone and find the corpse of Oldham Athletic still lying in the cave, dead as a doornail hammered through the head of a dodo. But still, it's going to be interesting because the last time Chez left, it was because of an acrimonious fallout with Mo Lemsigam, the owner's brother, who he installed as sporting director, about all the French fourth division rejects that kept turning up in his squad without his say-so. At least that won't happen this time, thanks to Brexit. Yeah, cheers, Boris. So bring it on. Shares Erection 3. This time, well, it's probably terminal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think uh, there's already been a bounce because, I'm, to correct me if I'm wrong, but you've signed a player this week, haven't you? Oh, have we? <laughs> yeah, we signed, we signed a couple last week. We had we signed Christopher uh, 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 Misalu back, who was uh, our, our midfielder. <laughs> Uh, a couple of years ago, and he was, he was, yeah. he was decent. And um, some and from Sheffield Wednesday. That, yeah, Alex alone. Hunt from Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, who, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. and as long as he doesn't get distracted by the arrival of puberty, then we should be fine. But um, <laughs> we actually lost out on the two strikers we've so far been linked with. One went to Gloucester City and the other yep. to Ilkeston Town. Are yeah. they offering more money than we are in the league or are we just such a shit show that they can't? <laughs> I don't think it's the money, Chris. I think it's the glamour. That's what they're going think? for there. Yeah. Gloucester. Gloucester Glam- glamorous Gloucester. There you go. Yeah. They could have it as a nickname, couldn't they? I mean, oh, I, by the way, there is oh, by such the way, a... Just, oh, sorry, go on. Go on. No, I was just, all I was going to say was, to add to... I told you about the Wolves season ticket holder who now just refers yeah. to yeah, yeah, him yeah. as we as all the time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I, uh, yeah, and on Saturday, I was at Stoke-Fulham game and I was just walking along, you know, outside, going to my turn style, yes. my personal turnstile, obviously. Of course. And some celebrity turnstile. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. With uh, with just me, they go through and, and uh, like Jeremy Bates. Yes. Uh, the, uh, and no, it's Shars. And anyway, that's enough. Um, and as I was walking along, somebody went past me and just said in passing, go on, Oldham. It's <laughs> fantastic. fantastic. It is. That makes me it? happy. That it's becoming happy. like it. Yeah, it was. Like, it was like. Um, it was like a spy encounter. You know, nobody. <laughs> nobody actually saw us touch or anything language. like that. Yeah, yeah. But something was passed on. That is yeah. fantastic. I mean, talking about the non-league, there is of course a, a, a lot of money swilling around in the in non-league compared to where, the bottom of the EFL too. National League Wrexham. Did you see this? Signed Ollie Palmer from AFC Wimbledon for three hundred thousand pounds. We haven't spent that much on a player since the nineteen nineties. <laughs> and, he, and he scored on his Wrexham debut against Grimsby in front of eight and a half thousand people. Wow. I mean, that obviously is, you know, that's the Deadpool money kicking in. Their new owners, the, the Hollywood yeah. duo, of course, the Marvel superhero and the sitcom star. You know, I'm hoping we can get Scarlett Johansson and Ted Danson to buy Oldham. That's what I'm hoping for. But, yeah. But, yeah. you know, good luck with that, England. Anyway, yeah. did you see, uh, apparently now the taxpayers own 8% of Bolton. By which you mean me and you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's because there was a, they they took a five million emergency pandemic loan was and it was converted into shares as part of the as part of the terms of the deal because they didn't pay it back. And um, so when Oldham drop out of the league, if the shares erection doesn't come to pass, who knows? It might be well like one of those QAnon predictions. Um, then I can support eight percent of Bolton. At least yeah. I could in seasons where I earned enough money to pay any tax. I mean, eight percent is like one player. So I'm going to support Owen Doyle. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Do you get do you get shirt naming rights then? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, used yeah. To, you did used to be able to sponsor a player, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You still can. You still can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it, it's one of the one of the sorriest um, pages in the Olden program is the one <laughs> the, the 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 page of players with the, with yeah, the, yeah. the, the yeah, sponsors yeah. underneath where you can sponsor the shirt, the shorts, the socks, and yeah. I think we've got like. 
two players have their socks sponsored by some local fucking yeah. charity shop. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it, the rest it, is it, all, all black. All black. It, I don't it, want to just associate myself with any of these fuckers. Yeah, absolutely. But it's sadder. I know so many times you meet me at other programmes and nearly everybody's been sponsored except for two players. Yeah. And that's even sadder. That's even sadder. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're thinking, what's wrong with me? Well, Not and, even a and, pair of socks. And you were saying about Christopher Missalou arriving. He he has He's one of the ones who's got his socks sponsored just last week. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones who've been there all season, fuck them. But anyway, anyway, moving on. There was a development yesterday. Did you see in one of the main stories that we missed out on last week, which was the uh, controversial postponement of the North London derby under the COVID protocol because Arsenal reckoned yeah. they didn't have enough first-team players to compete. Of the players missing, only Martin Odegaard actually was available, unavailable rather because of COVID. Uh, they had four players at the AFCON. They had various injuries. They had Granite Shaka suspended. But instead of sticking in some youngsters and getting on with it, Mikel Arteta went to the Premier League and asked for a postponement and ticking the piss, basically. I mean, the COVID rule said that a club could request a postponement if they didn't have 13 available outfield players and a goalkeeper. Yeah. And it was obvious that they were starting to abuse this, that the managers started to pick and choose and only play big games if they had the strongest team available. And now yeah. that rule's been changed. So you have to have at least four now, four yeah. COVID cases. Uh, you can still, you know, you can still count injuries as part of your, as part of your squad thinning. It was infuriating and and an extremely charmless thing for them to do. To tell it you the was, it truth. was terrible. Especially as a, this is a team who regularly get to uh, at least the semi final of the of the League Cup by playing all their young players. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and their young players are there. They're in the squad. They're happy to sell them for several million pounds or loan them um, to Arnhem or whatever. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. So, and and you, and you just wonder if they've ever heard of Bert Troutman. Some of these players <laughs> have they ever heard about a man? Who played in a cup final with a broken neck and, you know did, what and I mean? didn't, wouldn't come off? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And wouldn't, well, one wouldn't come off, and, well, and two obviously you know. come off. There wasn't anyone well. to come on. He <laughs> said, "Shake it, shake your head if you want to come off." <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, great heroes like that. I, I found that uh, appalling and reprehensible. Yeah, yeah, it was upsetting. terrible. It was terrible, uh, particularly for those those of us who uh, who you know have nothing left in our lives apart from watching the Sunday football on the television uh, and uh, pretending now that we've started doing this, that it's work. And so, you know, the Arsenal Spurs thing, that was a big miss in my Sunday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> still. Yeah. Anyway, I think, Nick, we both wanted to talk about the AFCON, the African Cup of Nations, we a little did. bit. I mean, we should acknowledge, yeah. of course, that the whole thing was overshadowed, rather, on Monday evening by the terrible tragedy that happened there. People crushed to death, kids trying to get into the game between the hosts Cameroon and the outsiders uh, Comoros. Just a terrible mm-hmm. thing. I mean, mm-hmm. more people trying to get in than had tickets. You know, And you wonder, don't you, whether... The, uh, you wonder whether they see yes, they see that happening in 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 the Euros, you know, at the Wembley. Loads of people trying to get in without tickets. Stewards being paid nine quid an hour and able to do anything to stop them. And you think, you know, part, well, partly you think we were lucky. No one was more seriously hurt hurt then. But yeah. oh, what a terrible! I mean, a terrible thing. Well, to it, it is actually terrible. And and I I just get the taste sometimes that that there's a there's a sense of this is a country far away of, of which we know little and you know these sort of things happen and I just think that's so untrue I think you know the idea that some sort of contributory negligence is is, is lazy and it's well, and it's, it offers it's, a way out from being compassionate and and, yeah, and I think possibly racist too well it's exciting you know it's excitement and you want excitement it comes from people being excited to see the games and you want you know you want that but there there yes. is a responsibility to 
to um, steward these things properly, you know. And I, yeah, I, what yeah, else could well, have, I don't know what else could have been done because I don't know enough about it. But well, yeah, you know. but it's it's still a tournament under the auspices of FIFA, and FIFA have have well, uh, FIFA some have, responsibility. To, FIFA has to something to say, which we'll we'll come to but anyway. Uh, yeah, as for absolutely. the football itself, you know, yeah. that game, the Cameroon Comoros game, it turned out to be just a terrific spectacle, didn't it? I mean, the the hosts and the favourites uh, against the first time outsiders. I mean, I have yeah. to say, in the spirit of picking a team to follow, that I picked Comoros. Um, partly as the tiniest, tiniest of underdogs, yeah, yeah. Uh, but partly because one of their players, Yusuf Mjangamar, used to play for Oldham when we played Liverpool in the Cup nine years ago. He, uh, he, I mentioned this, didn't I? You just reminded me on uh, Life Goals, Theodore oh, exactly, yeah, Theodore, yeah, yeah. Which is excellent. You should pick, you know, not just mine, you should pick, <laughs> look at all of them. <laughs> but um, Mjangamar crossed the ball in the second minute for Matt Smith to open the scoring and he was giving the Liverpool right midfielder a terrible time. He got taken out with a terrible tackle, just like an obvious red card career-ending sort of tackle, you know, yeah. uh, but not given. And the midfielder was Raheem Sterling. And Mchangaran uh, never played for Oldham again, because partly because his recovery just took longer than his contract. I mean, and he's been bobbing around the lower divisions in France ever since. He's at yep. Gingamp, if that's how you say it. Gingamp. Gingamp. Yeah. Um, anyway, last, <laughs> last week, Comoros, who'd never got a point or a goal in the tournament before, beat Ghana 3-2, knocking out the Black Stars, four times winners, World Cup quarterfinalists, one of the biggest shocks in, in the AFCON history. And mm-hmm. uh, it was t- terrifically exciting. Did you know that Comoros' nickname is the Coelacanths? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a... That's fantastic. I, mean, I think all the good names were taken. The yeah. indomitable lions and the super eagles and the Yeah, but the, yeah. Uh, I mean, all the, elephants, the, the, you know. the... Yeah, the nicknames themselves are, are fantastic. They are. I, one of them, one of the teams, I think, is Equatorial Guinea, I think, are called National Thunder. <laughs> so I think it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the Sealer Cat, of that, course... Wasn't that, that... Wasn't Elizabeth Taylor in that? Yes, I think she was. <laughs> <laughs> With some sort of gastric disorder. But yeah. um, the Sealer Cat, of course, is... is uh, was, it's known as a, 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 its own nickname is the living fossil because uh, yeah. it can live to 100 years and uh, has the longest known gestation period of any creature. Not that this is relevant to the football particularly, but uh, it was well, thought to have many... become extinct 66 million years ago yeah, until one popped they? up in the 30s. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, And they're, they're, they only swim around the Comoros Islands, right, which well, is yeah, off and, the coast and, of Mozambique. And, and given, the, given the fact that this is Comoros's first uh, tournament, despite the fact football's been played there for many years, the, you know, the 100-year gestation period is actually kind of relevant, to tell you the honest truth. Yeah, got a five-year gestation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> now I, I want to I want to put you to my theory here. Oh, yeah. So I was looking I was looking at the uh, the last sixteen who's qualified for the last sixteen, yes. and indeed who qualified for the whole thing. And you oh, below the equator, you only had uh, Malawi mm-hmm. and the Comoros Islands, and the Comoros Islands are the only team um, that, that border the east of Africa. Mm. So you've got the north of Africa where you've obviously got your Egypt and Morocco, blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. then the rest of them are all in that arsey bit of the of the, of the, uh, um, of the rhino, as I like to think of it. <laughs> yeah. um, they're all, there's about 12 teams there that have all yeah. qualified for the last 16, all bang on next to each other. And so the theory is, and I've read a book about, 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 about sport in the world. This <laughs> is because, this is because a lot of the sports were, were basically exported by sailors and they couldn't get to the east of Africa as Mm. easily as they could get to the west of Africa. So obviously all of those countries there were hit first and and football's been played there an awful lot more. And it's the same if you go to South America where the big footballing playing countries are on, again, on the 
eastern seaboard. Only easier to reach from Europe. Yes, yeah, exactly yeah. so. And uh, I just thought it was rather rather fascinating <laughs> yeah, to tell yeah. you the honest Well, the Comoros was, were, were French, weren't they, originally? They were, they were independence from France. Yeah, yeah. So there were French sailors who were obviously, you know, not as not as uh, not as adventurous as some of the others. Well, well, no, no, no. Because there's a lot of the countries on the on the other side were francophone countries. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about the amount of trade that went. Yeah, yeah. More, more than anything. No, it's else. interesting. So, the Comoros Islands before football, before we signed um, Changamar, actually, I had no idea they even existed between Mozambique and Madagascar. Tiny little, tiny little islands. Um, mm-hmm. And in the last sixteen, they played Cameroon. The, you know, who are one of the giants yeah. of Africa. Although I don't think that's their actual nickname. But the Indomitable Lions aren't they? I think. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they went into the game with a, with like a really newsworthy disadvantage, didn't they? Because they had no yeah. goalkeeper because because of COVID and injury. And if they'd been at the Euros, they'd have been able to call up another one if if Comoros have more than three goalkeepers. But they had left back El Hadour went in goal, and from yeah. from the start. And he had, yeah. did you see the shirt that he had? He had the number sixteen spare goalie shirt with his own number three painted. On the back, over oh, the top, that's over the top of that number sixteen, and 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 did well. He you know, did very was, well, and well, he didn't have any kind of practice warm up before the game at all. Nothing, none of the sort no, of you know yeah. taking a couple of catches before. None at all. You know, you just, I love the outfield player in goal thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great loss from from. Football. I remember going to see Oldham at Leicester back in two thousand and nine. And our keeper got sent off uh, while giving away a penalty. And Dean Windass went in goal. Do you remember him? He's right at the end of I his do. Do. end of his playing career. And I'd been looking at him for the first. It was this about after about ten minutes. And I'd been looking at him for the first ten minutes, thinking, "Bloody hell, I'm faster than you." <laughs> he was. He looked terrible. But then, if you'd said after nine minutes, "This man's going to be man of the match." You know, he, no one would have believed you. But the yeah. penalty was missed, completely missed the goal. I think the kicker was just thrown by how very wide Windass seemed to be and misjudged <laughs> what he would have to do to miss him. And it was a nil-nil draw and he stopped everything. And it was it was great. I mean, you know, we mm-hmm. were, we, uh, Leicester were top of, the, of League One by a mile and we were nowhere as usual. Um, mm-hmm. And it was great. It was great. A nil-nil draw yeah. with 10 men and Dean Windass in goal. Oh, I, 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 so joyful. I remember us playing... Uh... Luton and drawing four all, and we had three different keepers in that game. Peter Fox was sent off. Derek Parkin went in goal. Paul Bracewell saved a penalty. It was just fantastic. Yeah. Just, uh, Dog and, on the pitch. And the- <laughs> yeah, and the great thing about this Comoros game was that you know it wasn't a series of goalkeeping errors that that decided it. No, no. Uh, it, I mean, they had an early sending off. It was just, it was just, you know what? It was just a. A rip-roaring, exciting, unexpected game of football. It was. It was fantastic. And he made it? some brilliant saves, actually, the he left did. back. I he mean, did. you know, he got yes, he, he got undone a couple of times just by uh, where a goalkeeper might have been ready for what happened. But yeah. actually, uh, as a shot stopper, he was fantastic. He did a fantastic yeah. double save at one point. And the com- and uh, Cameron were two 0 up. Comros came back to two one with as good a free kick as you could possibly see. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. Uh, from my lad Yusuf from Changamar. I mean, really, yeah, yeah. James Ward Prowse would have it on his showreel. You know, no problem. And yeah, it was yeah. nearly, nearly an even bigger shock than the one they'd pulled off. Just fantastic cup tie yeah, football. Yeah. And, and just, just, just to wrap up a couple more things from uh, the AFCON. I mean, I think there's been lots of joyful things in it. Uh, group, group phases, it doesn't matter what tournament it is, and never yeah, quite yeah, as exciting. Quite as... But, 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 but that's fun. But I, little things that I saw. Um, I love the fact that the pitch side interviewer, you know, we're so used to everybody being so... Uh, professional, for yeah. want of a better phrase, pitch side interview when uh, I think it was uh, Nigeria played um, 
Egypt. And he was obviously sent out to get an interview with Mohamed Salah. But it was still in the background, him sort of trying to get Salah. He gets Salah in the background <laughs> and then gets a selfie with him. <laughs> Which is a great thing before doing an interview. And you just think, great, that's good. That's joy. That's, you know, that's, that's a excitement. Um, and I also thought, because you reminded me of this, uh, something we both laughed about before, of the great Cameroon song from the... Oh, uh, Pam Pam Cameroon. Uh, well, yeah, because of course they... they we always do World Cup songs, don't we, before you get there. Yeah, Cameroon yeah. did their World Cup song in 1990 after the World after Cup. The World Cup. To about describe the World Cup. It, <laughs> about the World Cup. And it's one of the great, great songs, is, I think. Great... We could do, we could do um, uh, probably a verse each. I know that... Uh, <laughs> so they did, they, did each, they did each game. I know, I know yeah. they played Colombia, if you remember. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the verse on that one is, next team they play is Colombia. They got a damn fool goalkeeper. <laughs> yes. Try and take the see ball him, around Roger Miller. See to dribble pass Roger Miller. Yeah. Now the Lions, they play Russia, don't need to win, so they play at Rasta. Yeah. Lose 4-0, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> great, great there, idea. A, the great bit about uh, when Cameroon lose to England, there's just a yeah. long sequence where the singer, it's the Maccabees, isn't it? Where the, the, the singer just goes, uh, against the Cameroon England were lucky, lucky, they were lucky, lucky, it was luck. <laughs> they were lucky. And I thought <laughs> that... that uh, Applied to Cameroon actually on Monday night. But still. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I thought that was uh, I thought that was uh, Kylie Minogue. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Oh yeah, yeah. No, maybe. <laughs> ah, it's so long ago. Uh, yeah, 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 when, yeah. Um, there could still, of course, be a Sadio Mane versus Mo Salah final. That's still on. And yeah. um, even more good news for Africa. Uh, FIFA president Jean Annie Infantino suggested that a biennial World Cup would help save the lives of African refugees. Um, he said we need to give hope to Africans so they don't need to cross the Mediterranean in order to find maybe a better life, but more probably death in the sea. Uh, which is an incredible thing to say, isn't it? It's not an incredible thing to say. That's staggering. Yeah, I mean, there were some good responses to it. Andrew Strolheim of Human Rights Watch said that African migrants, as far as he knew, never never mentioned the timing of World Cup tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> and Ronan Evain of the uh, Football Supporters Europe called it instrumentalizing death in the Mediterranean to sell his megalomaniac plan which liking I think that nailed yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. are. I, I um, love the I love the idea that you that you are potentially an economic or a migrant or indeed a, a fleeing war or poverty or whatever it is um and then you you got it all set up with your family and you about to go out the door and you go oh no hold on oh hold on it's France versus Belgium. <laughs> we're, we're not going now. No, we're not going now. We can't go now. We've got to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and tomorrow there's another one. Anyway, we're we going to work, we on, we're on. work on the World Cup song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I but, suppose, yeah, last time um, there was an international break on the horizon. We talked about how club owners see this, didn't we, as a, a perfect time to make a change and that it was called yeah. the killing time. Um, with another one hoving into view and a soon-to-be closing transfer window as well, there's inevitably been some twitchy knee-jerkery. And last week, Rafael Benitez reached the end of his uncomfortable time at Everton. Now, for the last few weeks, the cameras have been picking out a banner among the Everton fans. You've seen it. Benitez, get out of our club. And now, of course, he has done. I I find that banner incredibly graceless and uncompromising. And you just know, don't you, that those blokes are swaggering around now 
the heroes, you know. Oh, but yeah, look not- at us. We got rid of Rafa. Yeah, get lost with your credentials and your tactics and your Champions League and your trophies and your respect from the international football community. We don't yeah. want your kind here. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not only that, I mean, they're pump, pump, so pumped up. They're now also um, starting to demonstrate against possible new managers. Yes, as well, well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the banner first was recycled into sack the board. Did you see that? It was the same thing, but yes, they, yes, the, uh, the yes, letters yeah, get, yeah, got yeah, smaller yeah. and smaller as they ran out of gaff tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sack, sack the board of as course, if they know the- what difference sacking the board would make. As if they know who any of the fuckers are or what they do, you know. And then that, <laughs> yeah. and they're turning attention also to um, Bill Kenwright, as though everything is his fault. And it must be hard for him, as he's he's brought Mashiri along to to try and you know match the other clubs. And he's genuinely a, a fan. He seems like a nice bloke, and he wants what's best for the club. Uh, fucking hell, you know. Leave no, him no, alone. no, no. I mean, Bill Kenwright is is. A- Everton through and through absolutely loves the club. He's so passionate. I mean, if you're going to blame him for something, blame him for Blood Brothers, you know, but not what's happening <laughs> well, at Everton. <laughs> Bill Kenwright seems to me to be uh, whatever else you, you know about him or hear about him, and I haven't heard anything bad. Uh, he's just the sort of bloke you want in charge of your club, yeah. isn't he? Isn't yeah, yeah. he just he's, the sort of bloke you want? I mean, club. compared yeah, yeah. to, you know, the Glazers, for instance, you know, you, you, don't, you don't even believe w- would be able to name the full squad, you know, from a lineup. You know, Bill no, oh, Kenwright, no, Kenwright is a is a died in the wall. Evan, leave him alone for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah, and there yeah. were no I've banners seen, I yeah. noticed about Farhad Mashiri, uh, who's the one who seems to be playing football manager like a dad who can't understand how he's losing to his kids. You know, get out of our club, Mashiri, with your five hundred million pound investment and your your brand new stadium on a world heritage site. You know, there's not none of that. But there was, as you said, there was. The word early in the week was that Vitor Pereira, formerly of Porto, was the favourite head of Lampard yep. and, and Rooney. And he's won the league in three different countries. And then some graffiti appeared at Grudson Park saying, Pereira out, Lampard in. You know, what, what's wrong with these people? You know, you see, you do what one of their banners says and suddenly they think they can make all your decisions for you in big writing, you know? Mm-hmm. But does big writing represent the views of the majority or just a, a, like a noisy, cretinous minority? I mean, people are taking notice, though, of that tactic. Apparently graffiti's appearing in Kiev that says NATO out, Russia in. You know, and and you know the thing that struck me about that protest, uh, you know, I, I, after the Villa game when uh, Duncan Ferguson was in charge, yeah, and yeah. Um, the protest afterwards with the with the new banner and the uh, the Kenwright ones, and the, yeah, uh, yeah. it was really quite small, really a very small percentage of people stayed for it, you know, yeah. and. Uh, do they want and you wonder do they want Lampard because if he loses a few games they won't feel as bad about making a Lampard get out of our club banner as they would making a Rooney one. Yeah, you know? well, I think that's interesting. It's just pre-bannering is what they're, yeah. they're, they're doing. I noticed that Lampard's aligned himself with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson this week. You know, he's, he wants to to get his credentials out there, and uh, and so he he got off a driving ban through um, Mr. Loophole himself, um, uh, Nick Freeman, uh, for driving <laughs> while using the phone, and and that's what happened with um, with Alex Ferguson. I seem to remember who was desperate to get to the toilet, and he got away with it. So you know, well, he's he, just was showing... he ringing up to book the toilet in advance? Yes, I imagine he was. <laughs> yes. Well, and then there was Tell also Pallister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pre-flush. <laughs> Warm the seat for me. No, um, Ranieri, Claudio Ranieri, the gentleman, finally hit mm-hmm. the buffers at Watford after dropping into the bottom three with a defeat at home to Norwich, which featured that fancy little improvised flick you see from Josh Sargent. I like it when I see it, when there's a goal that I haven't seen before, you know, yes. especially at my grizzled age. But uh, it's really disrespectful to Norwich, don't you think? They win two games in a row, and it's the final straw for both defeated managers. You know, yeah. they're not that bad. 
<laughs> I liked how the papers reprinted their headlines from earlier in the week or the week before, saying things like Ranieri on the brink, you know, to take credit for the most bleeding obvious thing they could have predicted. It's like reprinting your headline from the day before, sun to rise in the morning. <laughs> because any yeah, Watford absolutely. manager has the job security of a Boris Johnson party planner, don't they? I mean, yeah. Roy Hodgson has got the job for the next 13 yeah. games or until the next international break, depending on which comes first, along with Ray Lewington, his old England sidekick. Um, yeah, and well, he's got he's got history with Watford, you see. Yeah, yes, and I'm yeah, yeah. I'm feeling a bit sorry for Harry the Hornet. Who, <laughs> oh um, yeah, he got, who, he got yeah. Uh, Hodgson didn't like Harry the Hornet for diving. Yeah, Harry the Hornet kept diving uh, in a in a sort of um, um, in a mock, sort of satirical uh, way. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, pretending to be to Zahar. And Hodgson got very baity about it. Yeah, you'd <laughs> love to see a manager that's getting a, crossed with a mascot. That's going to be a good meeting on the first day, isn't but it? But that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. Right, watch out right. for. Uh, <laughs> Lewington crouching down behind him and Hodgson yeah. pushing him over. Yeah. No, I think Hodgson's <laughs> going to come in and say, all right, change your mascot, change your fortune. Change your luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. I just said, we should move on to really, but another thing about, about, about managers, which I really liked, did you see the Graham Potter uh, interview? Because Graham Potter had been linked with Manchester United, well, I say linked, someone had said Graham Potter with, might be. with good, Everton, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he said, no, 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 I'll never be a sexy manager because my name's Potter. And, and also my name and my, and my name's Graham, <laughs> and I've got a long face and a ginger beard. <laughs> and I just thought that was great. I thought that was such a, a lovely thing to say. And of course, uh, he, he would be very popular at Stoke because he was an ex-player, and his name's Potter. So I'd just like to say yeah. that we would love you to would have love him. him. Well, and then back in the Championship, I felt a bit sorry for Grant McCann, yeah. who got yeah. new-broomed at Hull City by the new owners, wanting a fresh start so on. He's got some very good results lately, hasn't he? In the last two he's results, uh, he, he beat the team, uh, beat Blackburn, who are third. And then yep. away at Bournemouth, who were second. And they've been yep. on the telly quite a bit. They, they were on against Stoke, weren't they? They uh, were on the against, month. against And against them, Everton. Yeah. I think I watched two of their games recently, and they looked decent, I thought. But they've been yeah, taken yeah. over by the Turkish Simon Cowell, apparently. Some concerns that he might try to bring in the Turkish Anton Deck as a new management team. Turkish David Williams as director of football. You know, whatever. <laughs> when they play away at QPR next month, Grant McCann isn't going to London. <laughs> well, yeah, Turkey's got talent, by the way. Somewhere on the internet, there's a fantastic football juggler. You need to look that one up. I can't give it to you now, but it's, it's out there. Um, no, Grant okay. McCann. And also, you know, here's, here's, a, here's a man who was doing well in the championship and they just sold Jared Bowen out from under they did, yeah. when they were doing really, really well. And Jared Bowen was keeping them up, not single-handed, but was clearly their most effective well, player. Yeah, he'd clearly make a difference. He's, he's in fantastic yeah. form, isn't he, Jared Bowen? Yeah, no, he's great, it's great, like, great, I, great, always great. interesting when uh, someone gets linked with England and you think, that, I wonder if there's ever been a Jared before. You know, play for England. There might have been, like in the 1880s yeah, well, been, or something. There's been know. one in Neighbours. Um, so, so yeah, other well, bits and bobs. Other bits and bobs. Man City dropped points, didn't they, for the first time since October against Southampton. Um, I think it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was Gary Lineker who tweeted that Kyle Walker-Peters was the first player with Kyle Walker in his name to score against a team with Kyle Walker in it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when you've got all those BBC stats people working away for you, that's the sort of thing, you know, that you get handed, isn't it? You know, it's <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And so then absolutely. Liverpool had to win to close the enormous gap a little bit, and they did at Crystal Palace, 3-1. Yeah. And in the end, I think everyone would uh, probably think they were a little bit lucky with that late penalty decision when Diogo Jota collided with Vicente Guayata. Gua Guayata. Yes, yes, it was And it so was, more fucking VAR controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. a lot, there have been a lot lately that seem to be winding people up. I mean, it's supposed to be 
a system that introduces factual certainty to situations, and it does with line calls, of course, you know, at the edge of the area and offsides, but and whether you know, but when it comes to red cards and penalties, we're often left with the same sort of capricious and inexplicable decision making that we get from the match officials, and maybe that's because the bloke fucking up the VAR on a Sunday afternoon is the same bloke who fucked up on the pitch on Saturday. They're just the same people. I mean, referees as a breed, I think, you know, they seem to be a little bit weird. And I say this as someone whose grandfather was a referee, and I myself have a notoriously laissez-faire attitude to refereeing the match when I'm in charge of one, because I find that if you give one free kick, suddenly you have to give ten, you know. Whereas if you establish early on that contact is okay, then generally people, you know, use common sense. But anyway, I wonder whether having one of these weirdos in charge of the VAR is telling another weirdo what to do and what to look at and call him over to the touchline and so on isn't a bit of a missed opportunity. Because it's ex-players... Ex-players are often left saying that a referee doesn't really understand a situation because he's never mm. played the game. He's only able to look at the fact that Harry Kane brushed the back of Thiago Silva without seeing that Thiago Silva knew it and knew he could get a free kick if he dived on his face. But what about making the VAR? Why does it have to be a referee? You know, it's, we all look at the television. We all know what we're seeing. Why not use a panel of ex-players like the old, like the pools panel? You know, yeah. because they would never have asked a referee to prognosticate on the result of a postponed game, would they? And there would be other benefits too. You could give Jermaine Genus the job and get him off the one show. You know, most nights, you know, most nights it's football on. It'd be football for him to do. But mm-hmm. um, we're happy to listen, aren't we, on Match of the Day and so on, and on Sky, and yeah, yeah. to ex-players pontificating on these incidents. And you take their considered opinion as pretty much gospel, don't you? You know, if Danny Murphy says, "Oh, that was never a penalty," you kind of you kind of find it hard to disagree with him in a way that it's very easy to disagree with Paul Tierney. For instance, yeah. isn't it? so yeah, put yeah, the absolutely. players in. Put some players in charge. There's a huge pool to draw on as well. A huge pool of ex-players to draw on. So if someone yeah. fucks it up, you can sack them. The trouble with the referees is there's such a small pool. There's a small pool of like 15 Premier League referees, and so some of them are doing the game on Saturday. Some of them are the fourth officials at the at those games. Some of them are the VARs on those games. They don't have the capacity to to sack someone who has a who has a howler. You know, like the one on Sunday at Palace against Liverpool. You know, those people can get, can get, they can only afford to drop them for one game. They can only afford to move them for one game. You know, uh, there's a small panel of elite referees and each one's more of a cracker barrel than the one before. Just get uh, ex-players, there's hundreds of them, hundreds of them mm-hmm. trying to get into the, back into the game somehow. And, mm-hmm. and they know how, they, they know uh, when they look at an incident, they know what the players, in, they can see what the players' intent was, for instance. You know, they can see, they're not looking at, someone's uh, foot meeting someone's ankle and the ankle turning over and thinking, well, that's definitely contact, that's definitely... A, you know, it's... it's it's Players know he wasn't they, looking, and yeah, that was yeah, a... I think you know. The sense of context is much different, I think, for, for the players than it is for a referee. Yeah, I think so, and um, I think they should uh, make use of that. You know, they should just yeah, make yeah, use absolutely, of that. absolutely. Just a couple of things that I spotted. I saw that uh, Andy Murray had been refusing uh, millions of pounds to play in Saudi Arabia, and it's just <laughs> it's just occurred to me last week, this is starting to remind me of Sun City. Do you remember <laughs> yeah, when, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sun City was the, was the nightclub, wasn't it, in, um, in South Africa? Yeah. In, yeah. In, uh, yeah, and so and so now uh, you got the same deal in the Middle East with Qatar and Saudi and all those people in the role of um, well, you'd South get Africa. shunned South if you were abandoned. Yeah. You played Sun City, you'd get shunned. Yeah, well, so you've got th- th- those countries in the role of the South African apartheid system. And David Beckham as Boney M, who famously broke that and did play Sun City, if I remember rightly. One other thing... Uh, one of them lives in Stratton, you know, one of those lives around, Boney, the, around the corner. M. One of the ladies, really? yeah, lives around the corner. Right, she's, she's German. Uh, I don't think she is, no. I think the man was German, the curly-headed oh, man. Was he? yeah. the, oh, that's lovely. This lady, our, our friend Simon, uh, fixed her fence. 
Oh, and then she wouldn't let him escape from her garden through her house. He had to climb over the fence he just fixed to get out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. yes. uh, he's not Russia's greatest love machine, is he? Uh, Simon isn't, definitely. Yeah. No, no, no. I, don't okay, about, I don't know about the... Uh, no, no. Um, uh, uh, very quickly, the other things are, obviously there's been some incidents of things being thrown onto the pitch and, and that's all terrible. But what I did love with Steve Kavanagh, who's the CEO of Millwall, mm. who, whose, whose approach was he's going to start a campaign at Millwall called... Don't be a tosser. <laughs> That'll work. Unbelievable. That will, Unbelievable. That will work. And, it just, and it reminded me of uh, many years ago, I got approached by um, Stoke City Council who said they wanted me to help them with their anti-littering campaign. <laughs> and I said, well, why Why would you? And they said, you'll love this. You'll love this. This is what it's going to be. Do you have okay. to dress up as a squirrel? No, <laughs> no. There's going to be a bloke right on, on the poster and he's got like chewing gum stuck. Yeah. To his foot. Yeah. Okay. And then there's going to be you, the speech bubble, and it's going to be, they think it's all over his shoe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most terrible thing, almost as bad as don't be a tosser. That and the final true. thing was that I love that uh, Mohammed Salah had said about his contract that he hadn't been asking for crazy stuff. For crazy stuff, I, no. I was hoping it was a unicorn. That yeah, he'd no, been no, he's a, no, he's only quite reasonably been asking for as much money a week as most people make in a lifetime. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just one last thing, the, the turbulent bromance that is Tomalu Tukakul. Um, hit another rocky patch. Yes. Uh, Thomas picked on Romelu after the City game last week, humiliated him in front of everybody by saying he couldn't perform. And this week against Spurs, he seemed to be developing a full-blown barn door allergy. So now who knows what the future holds? Thomas is obviously hurting too. He said, you sit on the bus and think, where are we going? You know, I know what you mean, Thomas. You know, we've all sat <laughs> on that relationship <laughs> bus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> <But anyway. laughs> Okay, right. We're going to take a break now, and in a moment, we will have our guest. Our guest today turned his passion for sport into his job and blazed the way for a change in the way sports people were represented both during and after their careers. He's represented England captains across at least four sports and seen his clients through good times and slightly more challenging times. He's also been hugely influential in the media, often creating whole new careers for his charges. In essence, over 30 years, he's created an environment where it's become more and more difficult for Chris and I to get any work. <laughs> Welcome, John Holmes. Thank you, John. How are you, my friend. Marvellous. How are it's you? very good to see you. I'm, I'm, just before you did mention a, a match that we went to with your son. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, where I think I, I educated him in the way, ways of living in the jungle, did I not? <laughs> he was traumatised. He's never recovered He's since. never recovered from it because... Fact, we, we, you decided to have a... You decided to... Um, you needed to uh, <laughs> defecate. I needed and, to defecate, um, yeah. The, the lose at the ground at Stoke, the Victoria ground, was so sufficiently hopeless that you uh, <laughs> felt the need to employ um, haberdashery. I didn't yeah. know this was really you. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so listen, if you're ever stuck in a place, this is this is this is just information that for the youngsters out there. If you're stuck in a place and there's no toilet paper, the best thing you can do is put get your sock off, put your hand inside the sock, wipe your <laughs> ass with the sock, oh. turn it back inside out. Bin the sock, and then you just spend the rest of the game with one sock on. This is what you, it was, Jack. Was it? Do, was Jack? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I was like, Jack. I'm sorry, was, I fainted for a moment there. What were you talking he was, about? He was interested to see that I only had one sock on, so I had to explain to him. But you had uh, a shit in your sock. No, no, I had a shit in my sock. It was like a modern day Oedipus story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the man with one sock getting your pocket pissed, uh, pissed into <laughs> yeah. in, uh, on the cop. Uh, 
uh, paled into... Uh, <laughs> well, no, that's why people used to buy a programme, wasn't it? So that they could make a, make a funnel into yeah, the, blo- then, the pocket in front it, of them. Yeah, well, yeah, and then they made the, the programmes all shiny. Right. Well, that makes it better. was far more effective, actually, yeah. but yeah. there you are. Yeah. Anyway, John, so first of all, um, you know, my initial description of you is, 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 is an agent. Uh, you, you, the world of agents has changed an awful lot since you first started. Um, is, age, is that the word you would use for yourself? Um... Oh, is your yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. I, I, I prefer to call myself a manager um, yeah. rather than an agent. Or which, a head coach. Strictly yeah. speaking, I think was was probably right. Um, when describing what I do to other people, I describe myself as a bit of a scuffler, really. Um, <laughs> I, I've done some cracking jobs in my life. You know, I've sold insurance. I've been a football club chairman. Um uh, I've been a journalist, um, you know, all the jobs that people so, love to hate. Yeah, yeah. so, so, so in, in a way, John, it was it was the insurance that, that got you in to being more significant in the lives of these players. You, you may well have been involved with them selling insurance and then it moved on. So just tell me how it first started, because we're talking about the mid-70s here, aren't we? When yeah, well, we're talking really a bit that before sort of... that, actually. I'm yeah. really old, Nick. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always wanted to be a journalist when I was at school and probably at university. Uh, And then I watched one night, I watched the money program, BBC Two, and it featured a man called Mark McCormack. Uh, And I watched this and I thought, wow, that's really cool. That's really clever. Mm. And so I got this idea in my head that maybe that was what I should do, but nobody did it over here, really. It It was nothing. And certainly nobody did it in football. Um, I, after university, I did join the newspaper in Leicester, uh, but I didn't really, I didn't really, I didn't really get on with the people and uh, so on. And then there was a businessman in the town who I befriended and I, you know, bullshitted with him about the ideas I got. And he said, I tell you what, I look after the football club in Leicester. Why don't you come and... uh, join me, I'll teach you a bit about insurance, savings, finance, and you can develop your ideas uh, uh, on sport with the players there. They had a star player uh, at that point. They had one or two star players, actually. Had not a bad side, early 70s, Leicester, with people like Weller and Worthington and people like that. But the one who was a real star was Peter Shilton. Mm-hmm. Started looking after Peter Shilton. Uh, and uh, tried a lot of ideas with him. Um, he was a challenging client. I looked after him for 21 years. And um, as you know, he, he moved on. We did his transfer to uh, uh, Nottingham Forest. Um, and and to Stoke. Sorry? And to Stoke. In the twilight of his career. With no Stoke was first. But John, so it's quite funny because we had a link that we discovered much, much later there. Because yes. I know that that first uh, that first negotiation you did with the Stoke uh, the Stoke board, um, yes. and I think you showed your your acumen and understanding of the human condition quite well. Just just to talk us through that that final part of that. Yeah, yeah. Alec Humphreys, the. Um, we met them at a hotel in Northamptonshire. It was after an England game. Uh, the deputation from Stoke comprised the manager, um, Tony Waddington, lovely man, um, 
uh, Alec Humphreys, your uncle or something, who was the director, <laughs> and Billy Williams, who was the secretary. Secretary, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Tony Waddington started off by saying he'd signed lots of big players, which, of course, he had, and that uh, they were going to pay him um, a couple of hundred quid a week, and that was it. And I said, well, no, that isn't it, really. We don't. <laughs> that's not going to work. Uh, and he said, oh, right. Well, well anyway, so we, I said, it, it, you know, we're talking weeks. We're not doing that. We talk in years and um, we talk in annual salary. And, and what about the fringe benefits? And what about uh, inflation? And what about this? What about that? And, and Tony began to look a little bit, uh, he looked a bit nonplussed and, um, your uncle stepped in and he started saying... Not my uncle, but go on. <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and the negotiations went on for uh, two hours, and it was in the days when you had to get the forms to Lytham St. Anne's yeah, yeah, by yeah. five o'clock on a Thursday if they were going to play Saturday. Anyway, um, they were very keen that he played that Saturday. They were playing Wolves away, big game for, for Stoke, you know, local derby and that. And they were very keen. And um, so uh, Alec Humphreys, who was a big man, mm. he was obviously a man who liked his trough. And he got near and nearer lunchtime. And he kept looking a bit twitchy. So he said, well, shall we, uh, shall we have some, uh, shall we have, shall we have, I said, no, 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 we, we really need to get on with this. You know, we need to push it through because you've got the five o'clock deadline. And Billy Williams was there going, yeah, I've got to drive up to Lytham St. Anne's, you know, in his Austin A40 or whatever it was. And um, anyway, to cut a long story short, we got inflation built into the contract. They bought his car for for some outrageous sum of money, mm -hmm. uh, which sadly they later discovered wasn't quite the price that it was uh, probably they could get on the open market for it. Um, uh, and we got the uh, we got the deal just about through, yeah. uh, and but he was bursting to get out of his trough. So he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Get the sandwiches." So he got the sandwiches, and um, he got the um, he, he got a great big sandwich with prawns in it. And I said, "Look, this this amount here it comes to because you're still doing it in weeks. It comes to." £338.60 or something. I mean, this is silly. Can't we make it up to three fifty? And he was halfway through his sandwich and he went, you're not having any more. That's it. That's it. Anyway, yeah, no, no, we got the deal through. The, the reason that I, that I, that when we spoke about this later, that it amused me was because um, Alex Humphries' son was going out with my sister at the time. And oh, I remember right. him getting this new car. <laughs> thinking, that's a very, that's a strange colour for a car. And sure enough, it was the car that you'd flogged him. Uh, the yellow something or other. I'm it not was a Peugeot 505 with electric windows. It was yeah. brilliant. I think yeah. we sold it to Stoke for 4,000 quid. And it, he rang me up on the Monday. He said, you bastard, that car's only worth 1,500 quid. So I said, well, I did tell you that you could have the weekend to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and a, so, and a uh, test drive, yeah. and a test drive, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, now, just I wanted to to move on a little bit because obviously now you know you're very heavily involved in the media and a lot of your clients because you've obviously you've got Lineker, you've got Gower, yeah. um, you uh, you Athers, I think yeah. still yeah. I don't know. You yeah. know. At one stage you had Will Carling, you had four yeah. England captains, I think. Um, but now you know you, you you do an awful lot. I mean, Gary's clearly a, a colossus, you know, now in, in the media, and we still see David David's back, which is a great great thing. Um, but is 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 that what you think? your expertise is now is is placing people later in their careers that's number one and secondly if he was your client would you have allowed Dion Dublin to do homes under the hammer (laughs) Um, listen all I've done is hang around talented people it's a bit like money you never marry for money you marry where money is so if you're not very talented yourself you (laughs) hang around talented people because they drop bits don't they Um, which is what I've been lucky enough to do during my career and yeah I mean my passions were sport particularly football but I love all trad British sport really football cricket rugby you know racing I I like the lot Um, wasn't any good myself uh, but I just loved it. My my dad was very keen. He took me to all sorts of sporting events when I was young and, and I bought into it. And that, and I suppose television, were the great loves of my life. Uh, you know, uh, and I always had this view that my original idea was that there was a program. There wasn't much sport on the on the television in those days, but there was a program called Sports View, which later became Sports Night with Coleman. Mm-hmm. And at university, I used to tell people, if you turn your TV on in 15 years, it's going to be Sports Night with Holmes. But uh, so I had this <laughs> sort of idea. And so yeah, so Gary Lineker and, uh, and and the like are, are like avatars for you. They're like living correct. out your you're yeah, living correct. vicariously through them. They're yeah. doing they're so living your dream. The conversation <laughs> yeah. with Lineker went something like this: uh, when he was about twenty four, twenty five, I, I was always like interested in them as people in long term because the problem with sportsmen is, in general, their careers finish about thirty five. Uh, and then their lives are over. You know, for a lot of them, that's the end. Uh, but I said to Gary one day, I said, what would you have done if you hadn't been a, a footballer? And like the smart arse he is, he said, I'd have been a cricketer. So I said, OK, yeah, uh, I've broken both your legs now. What are you going to do? And he said, I'd like to have been a journalist, a sports journalist, but I can't do that, can I? So I said, why? So he said, well, I'm not trained. I said, listen, I've been a journalist. You know what the training is the first morning? Any journalist, the only thing they ever do uh, is uh, they get given the sheet and the senior journalist comes to them and teaches them how to fiddle their expenses. That's what the journalist (laughs) training is. So you can do that. And I said to him, hang around the journalists. See what they do. Take every opportunity to get interviewed. Learn it from outside. And then when you finish, we'll do it. And and we sort of made a – he did every interview he could. He hung around. He did all sorts of things. Uh, you know, he started having to – he grumbled like hell. I made him write his own pieces and so on <laughs> for a newspaper. But, of course, it was all training that he could do and be paid for it. 
Did you get? Uh, did you? Point. Do you give your um, clients any kind of uh, training for television work? Is there? Is there sort of? Is there like presenter camp that they can go to, or is that? Or radio, do you do that? Is, radio is the best camp. Radio, uh, radio. Like you that? get loads and loads of hours. Uh, Des Lynham started on radio, didn't he? Jim Rosenthal started on radio. Lots and lots of them started on radio. It's different, but what you get on uh, radio is, first of all, it's not as exposing as television. So you can -hmm. can make a few mistakes. You get loads of hours. Listen to yourself back. Work out the things that you said that worked, the things that didn't work. Uh, You know, you're a great advantage being on the radio. Well, and nowadays you you can do podcasts. And you can you say want. what you like and no one listening at all. <laughs> this is the, the millions out there, of course, as we know. Yeah. Um, and do as many different things and appear in different scenarios. Even, you know, uh, appear on quiz shows with dubious um, dubious presenters from Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah, and, um, settle, settle down. <laughs> and the first time I met both of you, there, there was a there was a play uh, called An Evening with Gary Lineker, and um, I saw it at the South Bank. You both appeared in that. And, and the, the um, cell room, yeah. uh, And, of course, that, uh, that gave us an idea. And later, I'd always had this idea that Question of Sport drove me mad. I just thought it was such a patronising, silly programme that it drove me mad. And I wanted to do something that was really more about the humour in sport and uh, and so on. And then they said, uh, they tried umpteen people as a presenter. And then in the end, they said, well, we've got this this bloke called Nick Hancock. He, he, he's been in, I said, I know, I know what he's been in. I've seen him on stage. No wonder he's trying to be a presenter. Um, hey, no, <laughs> and um, and uh, hence, hence uh, I think it's all over started, which of course, Talk Gary, he was sitting next to comedians and he learned how to deliver a joke, which was <laughs> which was interesting. When's when's he gonna start using that? <laughs> uh, the thing I like about Gary Lineker is uh, uh, on match of the day is when he signs off, he seems to have developed uh, almost a genre of jokes that's entirely his, you know, almost a, it's the sort of joke that no one else would do. I mean, the the one that really sticks in my mind is when uh, Norwich beat Man City and he said, so he signed off with, so how do you beat Man City? Fark knows, and Fark was the manager of Norwich. <laughs> yes, he was, yes, and he yes. signed off, Fark knows. And I thought, do you know what? No one else is. No one else could do that joke. No one else. <laughs> no one, it's not a question of getting away with it, you know, because he clearly gets away with it because he's charming and, and funny and so on. But yeah. no one else would even try that joke. You know? I think it's all over was very important because the complaint that people had about him when he was a player was, oh, he's very bland, he never says anything, this this sort of thing. So I thought going on to uh, Think It's All Over, which I was warned against, Jonathan Martin, who was head of BBC Sport at that point when I was talking to him about both Gower and uh, Lineker going in to, onto the BBC, he said, one thing I should really warn you again is doing anything that might be deemed uh, have I got sport for you? Uh, mm-hmm. And I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, I was working on that idea and, and thinking it's all over <laughs> was originally a radio uh, a radio quiz uh, chaired by Des Lynham who interestingly, Des did not think it would work on TV. I did. 
uh, and I'd seen the pilot. I provided the, the, I think Gower and Carling were on the pilot. Gary was in um, Japan at the time. And then when it came to TV, uh, or the, the idea was taken on to TV, I was really keen to push both of them to do it. They were preeminent. Uh, that only really worked because they were really good at sport. The, the mistake the producers <clears throat> made later was they tried to use people who did who weren't as good. The jokes about Gary only worked because he was very good. The jokes yeah. about Gower only worked because he was very good. If they weren't very good, it wouldn't have worked. And I, I think, John, for, for, and we won't dwell on this for too long, the, the, the really good thing for us was it gave us permission to do nearly anything. Because Correct. any sportsman watching would go, if Gary Lineker and David Gower are willing to laugh at themselves, mm. we should be willing to laugh at ourselves. And it would have been I mean? a different animal, don't you think, if Desmond Lynham had done it? It would have been a closer cousin to, to Gresham Sport. It would have been, yeah. or if uh, if Motson had done it or someone like that, someone out of the sport department had done, had done it. Yeah. I mean, Motty did, Motty did do think it's all over, but... That's another story. That was a nightmare, wasn't it? Peter um, <laughs> Michael went on, and and uh, was it Peter? No, I think it was. I think it was Colin Montgomery went in, and obviously hadn't been told or oh, never watched it, uh, and said they're taking the piss out of me. What are they doing? <laughs> I can't. I can't take this. You go. Well, the interesting thing about that, John, and I, and I will move on from this. But the interesting thing about that is that, of course. Sports people that play in teams are much better at having the of piss course. taken out of them because they have the piss taken out of them all the time. Whereas the individuals are not used to that. You know, they, no. they live in, in their own world. Right. Where, yeah. When they're not, it's not that they're precious. They're just not used to it. It doesn't happen. You it's, know? it's the dressing room banter. I remember a, a, a conversation with um, with. Uh, Gower and his uh, financial advisor a few years ago, and they were having a meeting. And the the, um, the advisor, I, I said to the advisor, "You want me in on the meeting?" And he said, "Well, I'm not really sure." So I said, "Oh, really?" Because Gower, on the whole, it's better if I'm I'm there. He said, "Well, in the last meeting, you told him he was a fucking idiot." So I said, "Yeah." So he said, "Well, that was a bit rude." So I said, hold on a second, Gower on the phone, get Gower on the phone. Gower, listen, I'm with uh, Vince at the moment and he's a bit worried about me coming in the meeting because um, I called you a fucking idiot. He said, well, you've been doing that for the last 20 years. Why? Yeah. So it's in the job description. They are. It's more of the banter of the dressing room. And you're right. I find it's more difficult with individual sport. They're far more precious. They the, There is yeah. not that... Um, when you go into a dressing room, it is. There's the banter and the backwards and forwards. And and team sportsmen tend to be different. Yeah. 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 And just just to, 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 to move back to sort of to the contemporary game and, and, and things like that. I mean, what are your views, if you have any, and I'm sure you will have, <laughs> on the way the agents um operate now? I mean, is 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 it um is it a source of, of, of regret, embarrassment? Is it a good thing? Is it something you wouldn't feel comfortable in? I mean, it's, it's a different it's a different thing to flogging Peter Shilton's car to to a man who wants his lunch, isn't it, these days? It's completely different. It's completely wrong. To be honest, what happened was, what should have happened was that they followed the American example where the guys who were agents 
actually represent the sportsmen. They don't represent the clubs. What has happened in, there was another European tradition, and this basically came in football because it started with players coming from behind the Iron Curtain. They came to country, uh, to countries the other side of the Iron Curtain where they weren't allowed out. If you remember the Eastern European footballers and so on, they all played for military or police teams or what have you, and they weren't supposed to be out till they're 28. So the only way they got out was by getting somebody to bribe somebody. So these agents were used as, they were quite often emigres from uh, the communist regimes with connections back in there who went back. And there was a big tradition of this in Germany. The clubs used to hire these guys to go to the Czech players or the Yugoslav players and so on, bribe the official. So they got out before they were 28. Yeah. So in so in, in in effect, what's happened is that they that now agents can work both ends, can't they? Yeah, and they get paid by both sides, and it's completely yeah. wrong. You yeah. know, I, my view is that an agent should only be allowed to represent the player and get paid by the player, hmm. uh, okay. and therefore his interests are solely focused on promoting the player, not getting paid off by the club to sign some rubbishy contract. Yeah, don't. I just wanted to ask you also because you are a fan, and I know you're a fan. I see you at at all sorts of sporting events. Yeah. You know, you and I both because yeah. we've got no friends quite often on our own yes. um, <laughs> watching things. But I'm just. I just wanted to put something out to you, which we've talked about quite a lot over the weeks here, which is which is the idea, <laughs> which may be anathema. I don't know the idea that there should be a more moral element to some of the things that are happening in football. I worry about the World Cup in Qatar. I worry about the Saudi thing uh, with um, Newcastle. I worry about a lot of stuff where where football... Well, I worry about FIFA, but not anything else. Where football tries to pretend that anything goes because sport and so-called politics don't mix. I want to... I want to interest to know what you think. As a, as a fan... Does, is that disquieting? Is it, is it upsetting? Course, is it worrying? Of course it is. Um, you know, we become sports fans when we're kids, don't we? We're taken to games when we're six, seven, eight years old and we fall in love with it and we fall in love with the, the heroes and stuff like that. And um, it, it, it's a fantastic thing in most people's, of our generation's lives, going to the football and... In my particular case, it, it meant I I had an identity, uh, mm-hmm. as it were. I was Lester. Um, yeah. You know, it, it gave me a, a, a connection with the town and the city and everything. And I've always felt they are my club. I shall be Lester till I die. I went mm-hmm. to... I went to the funeral of a friend of mine a couple of weeks back and um, I'd known him since I was 12, 13 years old and he mm. was a Leicester fan. And at the funeral, uh, you know, they they told stories about him all the way through his life that were connected with the football club and yeah. the crest was up there and he clearly, next to his family, that meant the most to him in his life. And mm. um, we do, it gives us a, a, an identity. And there then comes a period when you realise, well, you know, the players, how many of them really care about the clubs? They move on and all that. 
then you get more involved as I did and you realize a lot of it is really, really pretty horrid. Now we've got a situation where we've got a lot of owners. They don't even go and watch their clubs. You know, they're they're not even there. They're using it for other purposes and they're taking the fans really for a ride, which is, which is, which is very sad because a club used correctly, you know, it does represent the town, the town, uh, improves. Nottingham had a brilliant period when Clough was manning. Everyone knew uh, who you were if you were a Forest fan at that point round the world. Now you go anywhere and Leicester, because of the uh, uh, exploits of winning the uh, winning the league when they did and they had a good season in Europe the following season, wherever I go, people talk about the Foxes and Leicester and, and actually the city has, um, has benefited as a result, terrifically. Um, I was. I mean, I've, I've said on this show before. I think there should be six points available in the Premier League for um, each owner uh, who has to go into a sports quiz. And they have to answer <laughs> questions about the history of football. I think that would even it up a little bit, don't it you? Would even it up yeah. a little bit. I mean, as you say, you know, if owners are. Uh, are not coming to games and not showing their faces and not participating in in the the club as a community um, asset as a community artifact, you know, then they clear they clearly have another agenda. They clearly have something else that they want to get out of it. That that is maybe elusive from the outside. You maybe don't you can't see what it is that Saudi Arabia are getting out of owning Newcastle. You know, you, the the, mm-hmm. the phrase sports washing was used when they when they, right. just to, just to try and somehow. Uh, polish up their international reputation because their human rights record is so bad. How Newcastle does that for them, I don't quite I don't quite grasp what they what they're getting out of it. But they're not it's like Mohammed bin Salman, for instance, is supposedly the figurehead of uh, of Saudi Arabia, but also of this fund that owns Newcastle. And he's not the one coming to games. He's not what's how is the you know any number of Newcastle fans wearing tea towels on the head doesn't 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 bring him into that community doesn't make him part of of the fabric of that club. Joe Lewis owns Tottenham and very rarely goes to games. Um, yeah. The Glazers very rarely go to games. Stan Kroenke. In the old days, the owner of the football club, you know, was the mill owner. He was a local businessman, and the managers always got the sack. When uh, when the owner went to his golf club on Sunday morning, and the the others took the piss out of him, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he had to walk round the town. And yeah, when yeah, they were doing yeah. well, everyone wanted to know him. Uh, and when they were doing badly, everyone laughed at him. So yeah, know. well, it used to be a, it used to be a brewery that owned uh, Oldham. It used to be a brewery, and they had to they had to give it up because they couldn't organise. You know, a proverbial. Yes. Is, is it Lees? Yes. <laughs> Lees, anyway, yeah, that's right. Lees. Yeah. Um, I, uh, funny, we were earlier before you came on, John, we were talking about Bill Kenwright and, and saying, you know, how appalling the way that people are uh, treating him when he clearly is a, a supporter of Everton Football Club. He clearly does go to all the games. He clearly does get upset when they're not doing well. And, and he's doing yes. everything in his power to make things better there. You know, however <laughs> however that's going, there, there's, no, there's no blame to... To place there, you know. Yeah, I think to be honest, it, it's probably better if the CEO can be a bit dispassionate and not be a total supporter. Because the problem is, 
it, it, it's like with football is very emo- we're all of us emotional about our, our clubs you know I always said to people the best thing to be in football actually is a supporter because what you can do if they lose or they play badly you you say I hate them all they're useless they should all get the <laughs> effing sack uh, I'll go home kick the dog have a couple of pints watch casualty but I'll go back next week when I, you know, we all go back next week. Um, we are addicted in that sense. And um, it's got to the stage now where actually owners, the fans don't really care about the owner. All they want is their money. You know, I don't, when I can remember becoming chairman at Leicester and, and people said, oh, it must be great. And I said, no, it's not. It's awful. Because all you do is all week, you worry more about the result than you do normally. Mm-hmm. Except when you go on Saturday, the manager wants two new players. The box holders are complaining about the standard of sausages. You know, there's all <laughs> sorts of, uh, of things that are going on. Uh, mm-hmm. And you've got to be nice to the opposition chair. And he might be someone like Ken Bates, who you feel, frankly you feel like hitting in the face. And then at the end of the game, if you've lost, you've got to go. Well played, you deserve to win. No, you didn't. You cheating bastard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a fan. That's the problem like. with the supporter so, chairman. Yeah. So yeah. being a chairman is, is no good. And I encourage my kids to start chance of get your money out and because of that. That way, you know, I could I could say, I haven't got any money, you've got it all, it's gone. <laughs> well, I think we're going to leave there because that was a, a fantastic bit of raw emotion. And also I can, see, I can see that you need to go because you started to take your socks off. Um, so, <laughs> so, John, thank you so much. It's been wonderful uh, having you on the show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Don't forget, you can always listen to any of the back episodes because, quite frankly, this uh, podcast will be getting worse and worse and worse each time we put it out. Yeah, so, so some of the good ones. Uh, weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Weeks and weeks ago. <laughs> well, apart from today's, John, obviously, sorry. I didn't know he was still there. Someone should have told me he was still here. <laughs> John Holmes, thank you so Thanks, much. John. Thanks, John. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.